Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Inflow podcast. Owning and running your own business can be uncertain, frightening, hectic, as well as vibrant, exciting, and fulfilling all at the same time. Whatever your experience, becoming an entrepreneur is most definitely a journey worth taking. My name is Anna Ambika, your educator, business mentor, serial entrepreneur, and lover of nature, yoga, and climbing mountains, and your host of this vibrant channel, Entrepreneurs in Flow. As a serial entrepreneur, mother, and wife, I've experienced over 25 years of those daily struggles and the turns you have to take on the entrepreneur's journey to keep in flow. I want to bring you to a place where you hear from myself and other inspirational entrepreneurs about their journey to the success that they have created. This channel is a place for you to feel energized, empowered and encouraged and also learn about the real entrepreneur business challenges, strategies and lessons that helped to positively grow the entrepreneur mindset. From the offline success stories to the online tech triumphs, I want you to hear journeys and paths of all walks of entrepreneurs, whether they are on or offline social media. I know you feel empowered, encouraged and on fire for the things you need to do and learn. So this is the most definitely the podcast time well invested in your busy entrepreneurial day. And me as your business mentor, I'm really excited to support you on your journey. Hello and welcome to Entrepreneurs in Flow. I am very excited today to present to you my next guest and it is Jack Percy. Now Jack Percy is a student at the University of Portsmouth but also an extremely successful entrepreneur. How does he do that all? Well you're about to find out. My name's Anna Ambika and welcome to the show today. Welcome Jack. How are you? Hi, Anna. I'm very, very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you feeling about the podcast today? Very excited. I've been buzzing to get on this podcast ever since meeting you last week, and we had a great conversation. So it's uh, good to elaborate a little further today um, on the things that we talked about last week. Fantastic. So the University of Portsmouth does enormous amounts of work for entrepreneurs and enterprise and Jack, during his degree, he's going to tell you about that. He started up his business and we met last week at the Enterprise event. It was a conference and he was actually awarded a presentation last week. He was awarded um, a prize as well. So, Jack, tell me a little about yourself before you started up Auto Accessory UK. What are you doing at uni and how is life before you started this up? Just a little bit about your background. Yeah, so before I went to university, I, you know, I grew up in Surrey, come from a very, very lucky background, two parents, two sisters, very happy family. I grew up very sporty, but I always liked the idea of business ever since a very young age. And if I could ever in to connect that with my passion for cars, then that'd be even, even better for me. So yeah, at the age of 18, after doing my A-levels, I've gone to university. I was doing law with business. Initially, I thought that the business element would be a little bit heavier than it is, because that's obviously where my passion lie. However, it is sort of more oriented around law. So before obviously starting the business, I was studying in my first year. And at the time of starting my business, I was sort of halfway through my second year. I was engaging with the content and I was doing pretty well, but I can't say that 
it really struck a passion within me. And, you know, whilst I was doing my degree, I always had this sort of burning desire within me to, to start a business and to start something that would maybe put me on a little bit of a different path to your standard student or, or most people who are at university generally looking to get into a, you know, a training contract with a solicitor's firm or just going to sort of a standard nine to five employment. That path never really appealed to me. So obviously before starting my business, I had this burning desire, which just wanted to start a business, become sort of financially independent and essentially be my own boss. So that's what really sort of kicked started the journey or, or the intentions to start a business. It was always that desire to be self-employed, work for myself and just be independent. Fantastic. Did you actually do any other jobs like, you know, sort of Saturday jobs or holiday jobs? Yeah. So growing up, I come from a background where work ethic is massively pushed. So, you know, my mother, my father, both incredibly successful in what they've done. That mainly stemmed just from hard work. So from the age of 14, I had a job at a cafe, which was in my local village. I did that for sort of two years. And from then up until the age of going to uni, I always had a job, you know, that's been in hospitality. I've worked in Domino's. I've worked in, you know, Morrison's Cafe. So I've done a wide sort of plethora of, of different part-time jobs. Anything that would put a little bit of money in my account at the end of the month. You know, my parents, they did help me as I was sort of going through those ages through college. I got my pocket money, but that pocket money was always on the basis that I had my own job. So, you you know, work ethic is something that's been driven into myself and my sisters from a very, very young age, for sure. Well, that's great parenting there, because I think it's important to have responsibility and freedom, because obviously you having those jobs gave you a little bit more freedom to spend and not feel that you're putting your parents out too much. So what a fantastic work ethic that's bounced then, you know, into your business as well. And also by having those different jobs in dominoes in the cafe it's it's exposing you to different archetypes or corporate structures and how those businesses are operating you learn about operations you learn about sales you learn about client servicing yeah customer service you learn about order levels you know dominoes you can't be hanging around twiddling your thumbs you've got to get those pizzas out right you've got to get them delivered on delivery time they can't be cold so what an enormous amount of expertise you have there before you've actually come to the table and wanted to launch your own. I'm really impressed with that, Jack. I didn't know that before. And I think that's actually helped you lean in further into setting up your business. So talk me through a little bit about Auto Accessory UK Limited. Tell me about what you've created and explain to your our audience who perhaps are not car enthusiasts. What is it that you do? What does Auto Accessory UK actually do? Right, yeah. So the simplest way to explain what we do, before I start with what we do, I'll start with the, the, the gap I was trying to fill. So I've always had a passion for cars, as I previously said. And at the time of starting auto accessory, steering wheel modifications, so putting an aftermarket steering wheel on your car, something that looked a little bit sportier, a little bit more race-driven, was a very popular modification. However, the only way in achieving this look was to buy a whole new steering wheel, and you'd often be looking at a price in excess of six, seven hundred pounds. What we did is we saw the popularity of this product, but we saw the the fact that it wasn't actually affordable for a lot of the market. And so we, you know, we did our research, we discussed with suppliers, we found a few different people, and we ended up coming along this product, which was called a steering wheel wrap. In principle, it's the same principle as a vehicle wrap. So we'll put the material over your original wheel, we'll hand stitch it on. And what the material does is it provides a totally new look, not just your steering wheel, but it adds a new look to the whole interior of your car. But it also improves the driving and the feel of the car on the road. And it's done this at a fraction of the price of what people would traditionally be able to get this product or this outcome for. And it's made it just so much more accessible to the mass market, which is, you know, your Ford Fiesta drivers, your BMW M140, you know, your hot hatch market, as opposed to 
the people previously who could afford the previous product, they were in sort of the 100 grand plus cars, so they could obviously afford to spend 700 pounds on a steering wheel. So what we've done is we filled a little gap in the market, making a product and an outcome a little bit more accessible than it was previously. And that's essentially what the basis of our business was. We tried and we have added new products and services along the way, which complement the steering wheels, such as we'll do interior wrapping, we'll wrap vinyl on the interior panels, whether they want their center dash in a different color, or if they want their central airbag piece done, we can do that for them. We like to run a very personal service. That's quite important to me, whereby if a customer comes to us and they can bring me an idea or a concept, and based on my professional expertise, I'll provide you consultation on how I think we can best achieve that look at the most affordable price for my customer. Fantastic. And really interesting. But can I ask a quick question around that? Were you like a disruptor to the market or did you have competition when you went there? Perhaps were there other companies that were already wrapping yeah, that's a really good question, Anna. We definitely disrupted the market when we came. So I remember when we came, there was a company who do these the full custom steering wheels, which are £700. And they would actually post up on their Instagram sort of questioning the quality and the validity of my product and my business because they obviously felt threatened by how we could just come in and undercut them so substantially on a product and also then start selling so many of them. So they're obviously concerned about that, which is understandable as any business owner. If you've got a competitor who's coming and undercutting your product by as much as we were, you're going to have questions and you're going to get a little bit defensive. In terms of where the product that we sell being steering wheel wraps was, when we came to the market, I was the first company to bring this product to the UK market. Now, since doing this two and a half years ago now, there have been a lot of people who popped up selling a similar product and service. However, we've got exclusive rights to sell that are suppliers product in the UK. Therefore, no one's actually quite managed to grasp the level of quality product that we sell. So a lot sell like a suede material or a synthetic Alcantara material, something that's not real and doesn't provide the quality look which we provide that our customers are aiming to achieve. So there's competitors that pop up and often two months later, they'll drop off and they're no longer around. In the same boat, we have got like one or two competitors who I do back the quality of product is good. However, you know, a business isn't just the product, it's the service and the experience that surrounds it. So I always believe that within this industry, I run the best business for the whole customer experience. That's amazing. And is there some kind of protection on this, uh, Jack, in terms of some kind of patent or some kind of IP protection? Because as you said, you were first there and you're saying nobody else is doing it. But how are you protecting that space? Yeah. So I mean, in terms of the intellectual property, we've got all the relevant registered trademarks for the business in order to, to protect the branding. We don't have a patent over the product itself. Now, often people say, well, is this going to be an issue? And, uh, you know, whilst doing law, I did an intellectual property module. So I obviously discussed a little bit with my module coordinator about feasibility. Uh, and we did conclude that it wouldn't actually be possible to get a patent on this. It wouldn't be worth going through the through the application process, which is quite long and take quite a bit of time. He, he sort of concluded this would be very hard to get a patent on just because similar products were being rolled out just not at the quality and the standard of which we were doing it, which is where we managed to bridge the gap. Where I'm looking to go, and I'm sure we'll get onto this later, it wasn't the top of my priority list to get protection over this product and start selling licensing to the product. In hindsight, maybe it's something I could have done and maybe should have done two years ago, but you know, business is a constant learning curve. And this is one of the things where it's come up. I've looked into it and we sort of concluded that it wouldn't necessarily be worth it with the plans, what the plans are for the business and myself in the future. You know, in an ideal world, you would have a patent over this and then obviously you would license the patent to other companies, so forth, so forth. We just weren't a big enough player when we started around and we didn't have the real financials to get expertise in and do all the research into it. You know, I started this business with 300 pounds out of an overdraft. So as you can imagine, starting it up, budgets were very tight and we sort of had to make do with what we had, which wasn't a huge amount of resource. 
Fantastic. There's so many nuggets in that. And what I particularly like about what you've said is that you've used your degree, you've used people in the system, your lecturers, your mentors, your supervision tutors that you have to then research whether that patent was applicable, whether you could do it and then prioritize because everything in business has to be around one, my four-step process, which I talk about clarity. Then from clarity, you get focus and then you find the strategy that's going to be the right thing to do then you take action. And in this particular case, there was no action. You couldn't do that pattern, but your action was to just plow ahead and take it to market. Lots of key learnings and nuggets coming from that to cut to and be driven towards that decision to take it to market. But you did adequate research, which is so important in terms of product development, gaining market share and actually having the relevance in the marketplace. In order to do that, you will really fine tune your brand and your messaging if you actually do the research beforehand, which is what you've done. So that's awesome. You've also talked about upselling some of the other products. So not only have you brought something to market where you've disrupted, but what is absolutely incredible, Jack, when I met you last week, I just knew you'd be a force to be reckoned with. I couldn't wait to learn more from you because, you know, you just had so much energy. But also to think about upselling, because I know there was the thing in the middle. Is that that airbag thing in the middle of the wheel? Take me through the upselling products. Upselling, you know, for anyone who's not familiar with the concept of upselling, I'm assuming that a lot of people listening to this are, is basically I've got my main seller, my main product. Now, is there anything that relates to that product or that might be a different product, but it might sort of encapsulate the same market as the product that I'm selling? Is there anything that I can offer to them at a slight discount to the normal rate because they're buying my main seller, my main product, that's basically going to drive efficiency within my business? So I run a mobile business. So that means that if I'm going to a customer, I'm going to drive to them. And if I'm, say, fitting a steering wheel wrap, I'm going to drive to them. Them at, that might cost me £40 in petrol. I'm going to drive to them, I'm going to fit the steering wheel. Now, if I could upsell them an airbag cover or another little modification that's easy to fit, easy to install, and it's not going to add too much to my sort of labour time spent on the job, what I'm then going to do is be able to probably cover the cost of my petrol, plus make a little markup on that product as well. So essentially what that is in a, in a nutshell is it's just driving efficiency. It's right. How can I not only help my customer by offering them this really sort of efficient, comfortable, easy service where they can just add another little bit of spice to their car without having to get a new company in or call us out twice. So how can I really drive efficiency, not only for myself, but for the customer? And that's what it was. So for example, we were upselling airbag covers. So it would be a whole different look for the steering wheel. And that would only take an extra 20 minutes at the end of the job to install. We've also upselled like wing mirror caps with BMWs, which is very popular. The issue with upselling in the car industry or my industry is that every car has a different modification and different fitments. So it's a little bit hard with the car industry, but it's absolutely doable. And if it's doable, then I'll make sure that I do it. And so upselling is a big part of, I think, any business. And I think you'll probably agree with that, Anna. Being able to upsell little services, it's just driving efficiency, it's increasing your revenues, but it's also good for your customer. It's good for your customer because at the end of the day, if they want something and you've got it, they're looking at maybe buying it on eBay. Even if they can buy it a little bit cheaper on eBay, they're probably more likely to buy it with you if you're actually coming to them to already fit a steering wheel, let's say, and you can just pop it on really convenient for them at that time. So that, that's what upselling is in a nutshell. And it's been very important to my business, absolutely. Absolutely. I think and I need to have you on my team because... That was a very good explanation of upselling. Well done. 
10 out of 10. <laughs> increasing margin is what you're doing there. You're increasing your margin on that specific product that you've gone to actually fit. Your MVP in that particular case was the steering wheel cover. But what you enabled the customer to do is also increase their point of messaging. Because what we have to do is ensure that when a customer is talking about you, not only are they then talking about your wheel, but then they can say at a point of conversation through their Twitter chat or any chat they're doing, WhatsApp is the most popular at the moment, WhatsApp groups, is that then they say, and this gentleman also came along and he fitted this airbag cover as well, or whatever you're doing. And it's that topic of conversation. The more products that you can upsell on the site, look, we have it all the time, right? You go to McDonald's and at the till point, they're trying to throw in something. I don't know, I haven't been to McDonald's recently, but a fruit bag or something to go to the, your area of your body that you're thinking, oh God, I'm having a meal here, a burger meal, but actually I'm going to have some fruit bag as well. It's, it's like a little upsell. You may not necessarily want that fruit bag, but you're easing a conscience in your brain that says, I need my five a day. It's the psychology aspect, isn't it? Of it? You know, McDonald's absolutely know that anyone who's eating there no matter how little or much, probably knows they shouldn't be eating there because it's not the healthiest. So what should we do? We'll offer them something that's going to make them justify their unhealthy eating. And what are they going to do on that? They might make an extra 30p on that bag to add to their margin. And then if they do that 100 or a million times in a day across all McDonald's across the world, that 30p turns into a, a substantial amount of money. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right there. So yeah, let's move on a little bit more into help and challenges so just run me through this you were in the is it your year when you were doing industry year right when you started and actually had a whole year of working on the business is that right I'll take it back about six months before that Anna so it's about six months before that I'd actually started the business and I was also actually looking to drop out at the end of my second year of university which in hindsight I'm quite glad I didn't do and then obviously I did the year out which is what you're referring to about six months after starting the business which enabled me to really just dedicate all of my time and resources to the business so yeah you're correct in saying that and during that year, it gave you time to really move forward with the clarity and actually understanding, you know, what would be the sales processes? What would be the marketing? What are the products I'm developing? What is the actual capabilities and the people in the business, which is yourself, but you may need to subcontract some parts of it. And also the finance aspect, you said that you started with 300 pounds. What was the biggest challenges at that time? There might be a listener out there who is a startup and is thinking about doing what you did, what were the biggest challenges at that time and how did you overcome them? Where did you get help? Sure. So I would say aside from like product development, marketing and stuff, you know, the biggest challenges more probably came on like a personal side. It was networking and going to all these other sort of businesses within the motor trade that were doing modifications and stuff and seeing the size of their operation, but not necessarily seeing the story of how they got there. There was a lot of days where I was quite demoralized because I came back feeling like my business wasn't as big as these guys' businesses or, you know, didn't quite have the scalability that they had. But it was just a lot of learning and reflecting throughout that year, if I'm being totally honest with you. I learned so much about business. I built up a really strong client base. And then I also sort of made my connections. So you obviously refer to 
to where did I get help from starting the business. If I'm totally honest with you, Anna, there was little help in starting the business. It was very much an independent project to start. However, I had a partner at the time, my ex-girlfriend, you know, Poppy, we had a brilliant thing going and she actually helped me a lot with starting the business and was there for support. She understood my vision um, for the business. To this day, you know, we're still on very good terms. So she was a massive help in terms of just starting the business, helping me out with, you know, customer inquiries when I was, say, doing a job or, or doing something else. And so there was a collaborative effort with that, with my ex-partner. And then about seven or eight months into starting the business myself, I received a small investment from someone that I'd known for a few years who is incredibly successful himself. And, you know, with that, there came some business support, advice, which just all had basically helped me to take the business to that next stage. So obviously went through that time. It was right, I've got the product, I can sell the product. My people skills were there. I could network with, you know, investors, I could network with customers. So that was never the issue, but it was how do I form a company? You know, how do I register this company? How do I protect my branding? How do I scale the business, i.e. how do I network with people in different parts of the country who could start doing steering wheel fitments for me? And so there was a lot of things going on. And for one person, you know, starting a business, it was, aside from the, the help I had from my ex-partner, it was essentially one person doing marketing, customer service, sales, accounting, and all the other aspects that go with running a business. And it's obviously very intense and you're learning 10 to 15 different elements of a business at one time. So that year, what it gave me is it gave me time off from, from studying and it basically meant that I had the support of the university and obviously then the support of my family to really just pursue this business and see if it had legs because you need a proof of concept before you generally start to build the business further. And so that year gave us the proof of concept. We did, I think, by that point last year, or by coming back off that year, sorry, I'd done about 450 sales of steering wheels. So we had a pretty secure proof of concept. And it just, I just learned a lot from that year. You know, I lost money in that year. I made money in that year. It was a roller coaster. There were days when I wanted to go home and I didn't want to go back to the business. And there were days when I couldn't wait to wake up the next morning to start the business and get cracking with it again. So I experienced the range of emotions that I imagine every entrepreneur goes through, especially in the starting phases of their business. And it was absolutely invaluable, the lessons that I learned on that year out. And I was very fortunate to have that opportunity supported by the university as well. That's incredible, Jack. I mean, it's incredibly inspirational to hear you talk in such a positive way, but to also just take stock of the fact that you've made, what, 450 sales in your first year. Yeah, well, that was very good. I mean, I think at the end of our... Excellent. Yeah, I, mean... <laughs> I would say very good. It, it, it's number one, I think at the end of our first year, we did something like a total sales. Uh, it, was a little, it was a little bit messy because I was still learning about accounting and I was still building up that way. But I think we netted about 70 grand in revenue for the first year, which for someone who's... That's amazing. Technically a student, was a, you know, it was a lot of money. It um, was, yeah. But one of the things I point people to is, you know, revenue isn't profit and profit is the only number that necessarily actually matters if you want to talk about keeping a business. One of my biggest achievements was actually starting a business in the first year on the size and scalability of what we were doing and still turning a profit at the end of it. That was a real big achievement for me because speaking to a lot of business owners, you know, some don't make profit in their first two years or their first three years because they're constantly reinvesting. Well, I reinvested into marketing, product development, all of these things. And, you know, we still came away with a profit, which was a real achievement, especially being a student. It's a huge achievement. And I think interesting because uh, one of the other guests on my show was talking about we don't do enough in business to pat ourselves on the back and actually document the wins. And what happens is we are so driven that we can have loads and loads of wins and we're not documenting that. We're only documenting the things that we have challenges on when the brick walls come up. But 
Honestly, I've been in business for a long time. Getting to 70K in your first year of business, I hear what you're saying about profitability, but to actually even bring in the turnover of those sales in the first year when it's a new product, yeah, when you've got your minimum viable product that you're working in, which was the actual wheels, and you're actually dealing with things like client servicing, you're dealing with logistics issues because you're actually providing your product at the customer's home, I'm assuming. You have two price structures. So, you know, you've got a lot going on. Got a lot going on. How amazing is that? Well done. I just want to say well done publicly on the podcast. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's something when I look back at and I'm I'm like, yeah, I'm happy with it. But uh, where I set my my standards and my goals are very high. So I'm, I'm you know, that number is very, very far off that. But at the same time, you've got to look at it with a little bit of hindsight and say, well, that that was pretty good. So I'm happy with that. But obviously we keep pushing and, you know, every year you aim to improve on that number by a substantial amount but uh, no it was definitely a good start for sure absolutely and really looking at those low points you said that there weren't as many people helping you as you would have liked did you have mentors along the way so the mate of mine who invested I think you know initially we started off and he you know we worked a bit closer together then I've obviously gone back to uni and that relationship will pick up once I've done with my degree because I've obviously had to focus on my studies as well. I've not had an option. But there's been minimal mentoring, to be honest with you. I think a lot of the stuff I'm quite self-taught with. Obviously, when I go to jobs, I've worked with a lot of people who are in the industry and they've given me advice and I've taken some people's advice and I've not taken other people's advice. Because one of the biggest things I would say was a bit of a struggle starting out was actually just dealing with people's egos. So I'd go to a garage and you know, they would try and advise me on something and their advice they was giving me as much as I might have appreciated their efforts. I could tell that they were basically trying to advise me to, in order to get me to maybe come and work with them or there was maybe an ulterior motive and not everyone's intentions were brilliant. And, you know, you speak to one person who might say something and then you speak to another who's got a completely different view on the same topic, yet they're both absolutely certain that they're the right one. So in business, I think ego is a big thing and sort of dealing with people's egos and figuring out actually who's whose advice to take and who's not to take was definitely like a big challenge. And it's obviously one that I'm still still working with. But it was a lot of it was like, mess it up, learn from it, mess it up, learn from it. I did a lot of that. And you know, it was hard because you'd go back from doing a 12 hour day. And there might have been some days where after that 12 hour day, something's gone wrong, you've, you've come home and you're out of pocket. Well, tough. That's the life of an entrepreneur. That's the life of a business owner. You've got to really sort of you've got to get over that and move forward. And it's very, very cliche, but yeah, the main lessons just came from losing or not making a sale or someone else taking my sale or something not going right that you then learn from. But it's usually a financial hit that you learn from in business. Absolutely. This is called Building Grit. So you may have read a book from Angela Duckworth, who underpins a lot of research that Carol Dweck did in the growth mindset. And Building Grit is all about you know having those areas of challenge and then overcoming them. And the more little mistakes and errors you make, even though it can be awful and you can end up feeling exhausted, but actually in the longer run, you will have a better result because grit, once we build grit, we can actually move on to higher challenges. So it's incredible to hear that you've been able to pivot from having this idea of a business to do the steering wheels. And actually, a lot of this is been from hard work on you asking questions. Because the number one way I always say is that you need to master the craft. 
of asking questions and being humble. So I always say it's my strategy, a methodology of the five W's and a H, you know, what, where, why, how, who, when. And, and if we're constantly using that methodology, we're always in that growth mindset and incorporating that into every area of our life, whether it's growing a business or going to the gym or maintaining a sustainable life, whatever we say we are, we want to be, we have to actually go out there and find the information for ourselves. And people like yourselves at the moment, because it is the information age and you have so many platforms that you can get free data from, yeah, it's the data age, it's the information age. You've got AI coming in that is giving you uh, so much information that you can actually streamline your information and your content management through portals like ChatGPT. That you know, there is really no excuse for actually finding the answers, right? You're totally right. And I mean, I've obviously since started my business, I was quite young and I've had people around me that, you know, they have inspired them to start a business or they've wanted to start a business of their own. And as much as business is challenging, it's like you said, there is nothing out there that cannot be found these days on Google. And furthermore to that, with the release of ChatGPT, there's nothing that ChatGPT can't tell you. So whether that is you're looking for whether a product's legal to sell in the UK or if you're looking for what might be the best formation for your business, anything to do with business, you will find that information. The only thing that is stopping you from finding that information is actually picking up your laptop and typing it in, which is actually something that is such a small activity, but unfortunately procrastination can really hinder a lot of people, especially when starting out. I think that's one of the things that helped me is that I'm a very impulse-driven person. So I don't think about, like, I'm not the sort of person where if I think of a business idea and um, it seems to be all good and it seems to be something that's worth putting my time and effort into, I'm not then going to sit back on it for three weeks or two months and just wait for the right moment. You know, there is no right moment. Just get it done is my, you know, the Nike saying of just do it is pretty valid, I think, in business. Just do it and see if it works because everything's out there. The information's out there. The product you want to sell is out there or a supplier that can make the product is out there. You've just got to pick yourself up off the sofa, turn the TV off and actually just invest into yourself a little bit. Otherwise, you're never going to reap the rewards. Mm, absolutely. And I think it's about managing your time as well, right? What you've said is that you had that time in that year to focus on your business solely. There's a saying that says where your time goes, your energy flows. And your energy, if you put more time into something, your energy is going to flow in there. And that's going to make you happier because you're focusing on one thing at one time, not jack of all trades, master of none. And that year has obviously given you that clarity. I totally, yeah, I totally agree. It gave me a bit of clarity. But it also, you know, it might sound here when we're talking that everything from that year was positive. There, there were certainly negatives. But in general, you know, being a business person yourself, you understand that sometimes you get clarity over situations where you may not have wanted that clarity. It's not been the best sort of clarity to have over a situation. But in the end, it's probably going to help you in the long run. So, you know, yeah, that year that I had obviously to work on the business was, was absolutely invaluable. In saying that, I don't feel as though the year was a make or break year. Like, I don't feel like that year is massively to credit for where the business is now because of my work ethic you know i'm the sort of person where how would i describe you know starting this company or, or running a business that you like it's almost like an addiction it's like you might do seven hours of uni work in a day but if it's like an addiction it's like a buzz you get from doing it well you lay in bed or you get into bed and then all of a sudden i would get the urge to pick up my laptop and then you know three hours later i've done loads of work on the laptop working on my business and that's added a three hour to my business's development and so there is obviously the aspect of time and i was lucky enough to have the opportunity to have that year off but in the same aspect I'm still running the business now whilst I'm at uni studying full time. So 
there's no excuse really in terms of, oh, I'm doing uni, so I can't start a business or I'm doing a nine to five. So a business isn't feasible for me right now. You know, if you really want to do something, then you will make the time to do it. I, I truly believe in that. But obviously having that year out was just a, was just a plus and, uh, and just even benefited me even more in terms of the freedom of time that I did have. That's an incredible piece of advice there for anyone out there wanting to start a business or has already started a business. You're so inspirational. It's quite incredible. What would be really helpful is to get an example of a transformational client story, because I believe that you're really in flow with your business and your products. What are you serving? How are you helping that end client? And how is that person walking away with a buzz and talking amazing about your products and services because that's what what we're here for business is about exchange of money for that product or service that you can give to that person whether it's a tangible thing like a steering wheel cover or whether it's like a mentor or coach like the work I do I still leave people with a emotion a feeling so they go wow the work I did with that lady was transformational. I still remember her. Even as a student at school through one of my companies, they've had that transformation. Please share with the audience one transformational client story and what happened and how that shifted for you from maybe working with one of your clients. Yeah, okay. I'll give you the biggest one, which was near actually sort of starting the business. So there was a lad that I went to college with. Didn't really know him too well at college. We would sort of go to the smoking area in our breaks together. And that was sort of as far as we went with our communication and our sort of friendship. However, he left college and, you know, he was doing his own thing, come really successful. And he ended up buying a Porsche Cayman GTS. He'd obviously seen my product as well and was like, hey, Jack, you know, went to college together. Can you come and do a steering wheel for my Porsche? So I've gone to that job thinking, you know, be good to catch up with Jack, see how he's making this money and how he's reigned in this success. Didn't really think much of it. I thought it'd just be like a normal job. Anyway, at the end of the job, you know, he offered me a little bit of investment, which at the time I really needed. I was still actually studying actively at uni at that point. And it was one of them ones where I had understood the value of my product at that point, And I understood why and where it would sell. However, when he saw that product, it was like the first time I had been working with a client who's also in a similar industry, i.e. he sells products to customers. Therefore, he can understand the quality. He can understand where it might appeal in a market. And he you know, really saw the same vision that I saw. And it was the first person that I'd met who'd similar passion for cars. He had a more complex understanding of business than I did at that time. And so there was the benefit of getting that advice from him then. Anyway, I finished the job. He's taken me out in this lovely Porsche. We've gone out for a drive and that was just a really great experience to, you know, fill that car and, you know, be sat in something that up until then I would never have gotten close to. And where the transformational side of this story comes in is that he invited me down to his office, you know, a couple of days later and we had a talk and I received investment from him, not only in a financial aspect, but I received his time, assistance and advice and starting up the business. And, you know, it was just a confidant, someone that I could talk to about the business who really understood the process. And so that's when he sort of went from a client to a partner. But that is sort of where I'll really say my life transformed because I went from someone that I had understood success, I'd seen success, but never that close up before. And so when I was talking to him, and he was talking to me about business, it just really drove me to invest into more into my learning one of business, but into invest into my connections, the ones that you know, are really mutually beneficial. That day really transformed a lot for me, it showed me that actually achieving these lovely things, you know, buying these nice cars and everything else that comes with that, you know, it was possible for someone at a young age until then, I, I still seen, yeah, 
is possible. But when you actually sort of see it, then you believe it. And that was the story whereby I just gone there on the morning thinking it was just going to be another client. But I've actually left with a strategy or two days later, I then had a strategy to grow my business and really improve on what we were currently building. And not only to do it by myself, but to have someone who was more experienced in business than I was at the time, who had a team around him that I could not only go to for business advice, but become friends with. He's a business partner first, but we're also friends. So that was a really transformational story because one, I wasn't expecting it. Two, it shows me that actually hard work does pay off. It may pay off at different times, but just work hard and surround yourself with the right people and it will pay off. And then I also just built a great connection. It was just a really good connection to make, a really positive connection, a connection whereby they drive you to become a better person or better in business. And so that was probably the most transformational story that inspired me more than anything. But transformational so they, they happen on a monthly basis you meet a customer who might tell you something different or they may change your perspective on how you look at things but that was probably the most significant up until now that's incredible there's so much in what you've said there in different aspects of building enterprise this person then became an influencer in your life and then also the point that then they've actually invested in you because they believed in you so much. And I honestly believe that there's this strange energy that goes about. And when I met you last week, I just met Jack a few days ago, actually, guys. So Jack's only been in my life for four days. I went into this enterprise hall where there were lots of exhibitors. And the first bit I went in, I saw his stall. And I saw Jack and he looked straight at me. And then uh, I saw this steering wheel. And obviously I was interested in that because I am actually from a a family of motor enthusiasts, my husband and my son. My son's been a go-karter since the age of eight when he got his license. And my husband runs a classic car business now and he's been into Formula One since I've known him. It was just weird that when I went over to the actual presentations, that's when you came up with the award. And I thought, that's that guy I bumped into earlier on. I must go and meet him. And there's this incredible energy that comes from the energy that we put out. And then we're all attracted to that energy in a funny kind of way. And they always say that, you know, when you think good thoughts, only good things will happen to you. If you think negative thoughts, then negative things will happen to you because you're just going down a rabbit hole with negative things. And, and, and honestly, that's how the growth mindset works because you're always looking for solutions and you're being very solution orientated. So we follow a mindset of being solution orientated. So challenges just seem triumphs and transformationals. They don't feel like a challenge. They feel just like a something else that we need to do. It goes on the to-do list. It doesn't become a problem. Now we all have whinges and we all have bad days, but actually that's a great way of actually you affecting your personality onto the client that you went to fix the, the fearing will for. And then they've been so energized by your energy and your enthusiasm that then that has taken you to greater things. Thank you so much for sharing that sort of personal bit of information and being so open and honest to our listeners, because I do think that they will learn enormously from that story that that you've shared about that and never to give up, right? You know, never give up. Totally. I mean, with that, it's it's kind of like a double-edged sword in a little bit. It's like never give up, but at the same time, 
have a reasonable view of things. Like if something isn't working, look into why it isn't it working. Is it not working because there's not a market for it? In that case, you might want to move on. But is it not working because how you're marketing it online or how you're advertising it? So it's totally about, you know, I would say never give up on the goal or the vision. But if the business isn't working, then maybe move on to something else. Make sure that you do your due diligence. So don't just give up on something because it's not worked the first time or not worked the second time. You know, really make sure that you're giving it every shot that you can. Make it work. Because not everything in life is going to go sort of smoothly, if you know what I mean. I'm sure you'll understand that from your experiences with business, Anna. But I think one of the things that I would sort of would like to say is that whilst I've shared that transformational story, which was on a positive note, like it was a positive story, there have been transformational stories that were really negative. Ones that I really learned a hard lesson from and they transformed the way in which I do business. Now, they might have cost me a lot of money or I might have lost a lot of money or, you know, in general, I might have just put myself in a bad situation or a situation which was uncomfortable. But same, same sort of thing goes. Those negative stories and the transformations, they they stick with you and they, they hinder your decision making further down the line. Probably make you into a better business person or they make your business better with when things do go wrong. So there's always positives and negatives to take from every story. But I think what you say about being a solutions-based person, I very much agree with you on that. I am a solutions-based person. I don't fear problems. Problems are my friend and solutions are, you know, it's a challenge. We're all just, we're playing a game here. That's how I see it. We're all we're playing a game. Obstacles occur. How can we overcome the obstacles no matter how big they are? The biggest example I'll give to that was I had £5,000 worth of equipment stock robbed out of my car in London three weeks ago. In the car back, there was literally nothing I can do. So I can F and blind and get really angry about everything and just really let off all this anger and steam. Or I can sit there and go strategically, right, there's literally nothing I can do about this. So let's not get emotional about the situation and let's think sort of strategically forward. And there my mum was like, I know you've had everything stolen. Shouldn't you be a little bit more angry about the situation? I was there like, no, it's fine. Everything happens for a reason. Just need to think of a solution of how we now recover that loss. And in the weeks to follow, you know, I was fortunate enough to have won this award and I've won a nice package with that. And so things go around in full circles. So you know, if your life's going really bad or there's problems in your life that you even think you may not have a solution to, just let time do its thing and keep a positive mindset. And that's ultimately how you push forward from these things. Because one thing's for sure, if you're negative and you're self-pitying about these sort of situations, it's not going to help you. So be strategic, know yourself, and just don't be phased by things. Because as big as an issue it may seem, there's probably someone else out there who's dealing with a bigger issue than you or, you know, there's always someone worse off. Absolutely. And patience is is incredibly underrated, isn't it, in business? Because if we have patience and persevere and look at things, a way of adapting yourself and adapting the situation, then you can solve the problem because it, it's a way of looking at it in a different eyes. And that might mean going to a mentor, going to someone externally, you're looking at the problem, you're seeing, oh God, this has happened, but actually bouncing it off someone else that can say, actually, let's look at this. We've lost this 5k of equipment. So what can we do about it? And just bringing that patience and trusting the process will enable you to solve the problem. And you're absolutely right. I've had lots of failures in my life. And one of the biggest failures was the business that someone actually asked me recently. He says, oh, you're doing all these podcasts, but what is actually the one that hurt the most? And I said, 
actually the one that hurt the most is the one that wasn't about the money it was the one that I was most passionate about and I loved so much but I'm determined for it to come back one day because I'm sure I'll be retired one day doing this thing again and that's my juice and smoothie business I'm going to have this little juice bar my smoothies and all my little organic products on the beach of the coast of Australia one day that that's my vision and and you guys can all come and visit me it'll be like you know Necker Island it'll be a bit like that I'm gonna have my little Necker Island in in Australia somewhere. <laughs> Got no doubt that you'll do that as well. No doubt. I hope so. I hope so. There's been so many nuggets in this today. It's been incredible, and I think you're a force to be reckoned with because you've answered all these questions so well, indeed. So, what's the plan for you in five years' time? What's your future self? Where do you see yourself in terms of visualizing, not strategizing, visualizing? Where are you going to be in five years' time? What do you see? Yeah, so, I mean, that's a real, real complex question. Ideally, I would like to sell auto accessory at some point because I believe deep down I'm a builder more than a developer. And so I like to build businesses and, you know, sell them to that person that can really drive them forward with a similar passion to what I have. So within five years, you know, ideally I would have sold auto accessory and I'll be working on other projects, both within the car scene and out of the car scene. I really want to build a portfolio of great businesses. You know, I want to have between five to 10 million pound businesses within the next five years, that is. So, you know, you might be sat there thinking, well, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. That's just what I'm visualizing for myself. But outside of business, I want to have like a quite not when I say free time, I want to have flexibility of time. So I want to sort of be able to choose when I work. I want to, I would like to have a house, but I would also like to be traveling. There's a lot I want to do and I'm not overly decided. In five years, I will be 26. And my goal since being, I think, 14 was that I'll own a supercar by 25. So I see myself in a Lamborghini in five years. But I want to do a lot of other bits as well like I like helping people so if there's any way in which I can get involved in some more charity work I recently did a boxing match so if I could get involved in sort of that aspect of it that would be really cool but in five years I imagine I'll be in a similar position today in terms of strong work ethic I want something that makes me want to jump out of bed every single morning something that excites me and I want to be doing different things each day I think the idea of sitting down doing the same job, same thing every single day is a little bit boring. So, you know, I see myself being more of a delegator than a skills-based person. So I see my role being within my business as being, you know, a manager, headhunting people who are really good at their role and bringing them into my business to help grow and scale that business. And essentially investing my money into the businesses and the people within those businesses that's just going to really help to scale and grow. But within that time, you know, I've got a lot to learn myself. So I talk about what I want to achieve in terms of monetary goals and this and that. I want to become a more rounded person as well. I want to become more knowledgeable with business. I want to become more experienced with business. I want to increase my network and just essentially surround myself with more people who are focused on business, focused on achieving their goals, not just talking about them, but achieving them. There's a huge difference between that. And just continue sort of on the same, building on the same path that I'm kind of on now, but just leveling up month by month, leveling up, knowing more than I did the previous month, being a better person than I was the previous month, have businesses that are doing better than they were the previous month, and just surrounding myself with a team of people, all with a similar vision. I mean, I've got a few business ideas, none of which I want to talk about necessarily on a podcast, but hopefully invest my time and money into those businesses as well. And essentially within five years, one of the biggest things is I want to enable my family to experience a lifestyle of choice and a lifestyle with a little bit of luxury in it. You know, I've come from a very good background, but by no means do we have abundance. If I can just really experience and benefit from the fruits of my labor and, you know, give the experiences to my family and the closing people around me, that'd be really, really cool. 
Well, you certainly articulated your vision very well. And one of the clear things about being a very successful entrepreneur is to be able to communicate and speak publicly about your products and services, about your beliefs, your values, your mission, and your wants and desires. And you're steadfast in that. So I'm highly impressed with the way that you've actually articulated your five-year vision. Because when we are able to challenge our thoughts and beliefs and behaviors, but actually challenge them through visualizing what we want, rather than like you said, thinking about it, but actually doing something about it, moving from the strategy phase to the actual action phase and having clarity is super important. So having that picture and a lot of emphasis on the word picture is super important because once we get the picture, then we can write down in words what we need to do. So thank you very much for sharing that. That was very well articulated. And just to close off, really, I've been an incredibly powerful and action-packed podcast interview, Jack, and I'm highly impressed. What would be your top takeaways or quotes, if you want to give any quotes or tips for our audience of entrepreneurs? So you obviously you've been running a business for a short period of time, but you've moved a mammoth ways forward. What would be your key learnings today? I'm just going to bullet point five. And when I put these down, I wasn't trying to necessarily like appeal to anyone who's already successful, already made it, uh, it, it might and they might relate to it. But this is really for people who are either thinking of starting a business or they might have started a business that's not going too well. But the first one is, if you've got an idea, just do it. Because what I hear is I hear so many people, like whether I be at a networking event or I might have just met a customer, I hear so many people talking about their businesses and they say, well, you know, I'm 20 now and when I'm 25, I want to start my business in landscaping or whatever that may be. Just do it because all it's a matter of is create that Instagram or that Facebook profile. Make sure obviously you know what you're doing and you're good at what you do, but just putting yourself out there. And I think the biggest hurdle for a lot of people is literally just putting themselves out there. You know, they might be scared of judgment from friends, family who might see them promoting this service or business online. Just do it because once you get it done, you'll realize that the biggest hurdle is actually pretty easy to get past, which is just getting on and doing it. The second is don't be afraid to mess up. Now I had that rephrase differently, but I'm not going to swear on this podcast. So don't be afraid to mess up. It happens. You're in business and you might be sat there thinking, well, you know, this person's a competitor in my industry. I don't see them messing up. Of course you don't. Entrepreneurs are like gamblers. We never post our losses. So don't be afraid to mess up. Be mindful. The third one is, sorry, you know, be mindful of the people that are around you. You know, whether it's your friends, family, are they pushing you? Are they holding you back? Are you learning from them? You know, just really look at the people around you and reflect on what you get from them. You know, are they a really fun person to go out with? And do they make you relax? In that case, brilliant. They might not be the best business person, but they're a good person that you can relax with. You know, if someone doesn't bring any kind of value to your life or relief or enjoyment to your life, then they might not be the right person to have in your life. That doesn't mean they need to become your enemy. It just might mean you need to step back a little bit, take your distance and really focus on yourself because at the end of the day, you've got to look out for number one. My fourth sort of point would be, Work harder than those surrounding you. Now, I don't mean work relentlessly 12 hours every single day for a year. Just look at the people around you and just make sure when you're comparing yourself to them or looking at what they do, just make sure that you're working that little bit harder just so you've got that edge on everyone. You know, I like to have an edge on people in that I can sit at a dinner table, I can go out with my friends on a Friday, maybe or a Saturday once a month, and I can have a beer or I can have a drink or I can relax knowing that sat around this table, I've worked the hardest that month. That for me brings quite a lot of sort of relief. It goes back to what I said earlier about business is kind of an addiction. So it's like, once I know I've done, 
I've worked hard on my business, I can have a little bit of relief at the end of the month and maybe chill and, you know, relax and reward myself a little bit. And the last point I'm going to make, which is pretty much the most important part, and it's something that I've really sworn by the last year to six months, is just show fortitude in every aspect of your life. Nothing's ever going to be plain sailing. You are going to go through times of adversity, but you've got to be able to show courage. When something goes wrong, that's fine. Feel sorry for yourself for the rest of the evening. Feel sorry for yourself for two hours or, you know, isolate yourself from your family and just be really moody. But when you wake up in the morning, let it go and move on. Because at the end of the day, letting things affect you in a negative way, it's not going to benefit you. And the quicker you can sort of have this mindset of, right, this emotion is not benefiting me. I need to get out of it and move on. If you can't change it, move on from it. Um, So they're sort of like the top five tips. I'll just finish with a quote. And this is one that I read right when I started the business. And I don't know who the quote is by. It might just be a generic term, but it's basically... You look crazy until it works out and then you're a genius. So what that refers to is you might be scared of people making judgment of you, you know, because you're starting a business and they're like, well, who's he to think he's starting a business? Who does he think he is, Elon Musk and all that? So yeah, you might look crazy, but then when you pulled up and you've got that nice new car or you've got that lovely office or you've got a lovely house or, you know, people see start to see the fruits of your labor, then all of a sudden you're a genius and they'll be asking you how you did it. So basically believe in yourself. Don't be afraid to mess up. Work hard on those surrounding you and don't be put off by tough situations. Wow, that's incredible. Let me just run those back very quickly. Just do it is number one top tip. Number two, failures are okay. Number three, be aware of the people around you. Be mindful of the people around you and how they influence you. So who are your influencers? Number four, work harder than those around you. Or I think it was something like that. And show fortitude. Make sure that you have courage. And if things go wrong, then it's reset to your mindset so that you can pick yourself up the next day and keep going. And to me, that number five is all about grit. Please read that book by or watch the videos on Angela Duckworth, how she talks about grit. And that's pretty much that that number five. That's been an incredible list. And I am so bursting with excitement that I know our listeners are going to really benefit from those golden nuggets and snippets of information and tips that you've given them in terms of your journey as a young entrepreneur and how they're going to implement some of those tips into their entrepreneurial day. I always ask people at the end of my podcast, do you know actually what entrepreneur means, where it comes from, the word? No. If I was to define it, I'd probably define it as someone that doesn't mind taking on stress for (laughs) financial gain. To be honest with you, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of the word entrepreneur because I think it's very loosely used by people who aren't necessarily entrepreneurs. But no, I don't. You might have to educate me a little bit on that one. So it's interesting word, but if you actually go into the analysis of the word entrepreneur, it's actually an Indian Sanskrit word. Sanskrit is the oldest Indian language of India. So it's a bit like Latin, right? of India. And all the scriptures are written in Sanskrit. And what it actually means is self-discovery. It's about taking responsibility for your destiny, for yourself. So entrepreneur is actually has some French connotations to it as well. If you look it up, it, there's some words that come from it from France as well, from French. And basically, entrepreneurial mindset is not just about making money, but it's about having a flow in your life that You are taking ownership, as you rightfully said in your five points that you just put across, for everything that you do in life. So if you want to say, you know, I want to run a more sustainable life, what are you doing about that? Take that responsibility on to be self-driven, to be self-motivated. So entrepreneur 
is self-motivated. They're not in a PAY system where they're working for a corporate or an organization where they're going to get a pay, but actually they don't have to find their money, right? For 30 years, I've had to find my money. I'm, I'm driven to find my money. I haven't been in an employee. I have had contracts on and off, so don't, don't get me wrong, but I've been an entrepreneur. So the entrepreneurial mindset is about ensuring that you're thinking about your health, your fitness, your spirituality, what you eat, everything, every corner of your life, but you are actually in charge of that self-motivation totally agree with you yeah with every point you sort of said there you know on being an entrepreneur it's, it's a lifestyle not a job something that you preach every day and it's a constant state of mind you know i think if the easiest way i could probably put it is to be an entrepreneur you're, you're probably quite competitive but it's about as you said it's about being healthy you know because at the end of the day someone who's in a nine-to-five employment you know they have to get up and they're on a set time but you know to be an entrepreneur you've got to have the motivation to say well i need to get out of bed at eight this morning not because i've got a boss that's waiting for me but because i've got goals i've got things that i want to achieve and, and things i want to hit a lot of people if they didn't have that structure in their life they would probably slack and be caught getting lazy but i think one of the fundamentals of being an entrepreneur is just having that having the drive you've got to have drive because without it you become lazy and you'll come complacent and complacency just leads to being miserable i believe and so you've got to have something that keeps you active something that motivates you and often being an entrepreneur it's not always there you've got to go out and find it it's as you say you've got to find your money you've got to find your living it's not on a plate for you but that's sounds daunting but it's actually one of the most exciting parts about taking this path absolutely which i think you'll probably agree with yeah absolutely and like i said the entrepreneurial mindset is about being self-motivated in every aspect. And that is your fitness, your spirituality, your relationships with your people around you. You're in charge. And um, so obviously from this, from a spiritual point of view, you would think that, you know, how are you going to attain that a feeling of connection to whatever that being is, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. But actually that has a profound effect on you as an individual, whether it's money, because money is just an exchange to get things that we want. And that's going to give us happiness right that's going to get us into the state of flow of whatever we need so when we think about entrepreneurial mindset on a deeper level it's aligning us to become better versions of ourselves does that make sense totally yeah totally agree with you jack i could talk to you forever definitely definitely had a fantastic podcast today thank you so much for your contribution have you enjoyed the interviews i've had a great time i know it was a, it was a pleasure meeting you last week and then a, even more of a pleasure to elaborate on our conversations in today's podcast the universe was calling upon us to me and i'm sure that you're going to have some great karting days with my son as well so looking forward to seeing you again i wish you all the best and i'm sure we'll be meeting up very soon jack Thank you so much for coming on Entrepreneurs in Flow. And all our listeners, thank you so much for listening and tuning in today. And I look forward to you joining us on our next episode of Entrepreneurs in Flow.